It's Sunday morning. Time for the Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Hope you enjoy the show. And as we roll through October and the Midwest, which is an absolutely spectacular weekend this weekend, it's hard to believe that just a couple days ago it was cold and and actually a snowflake flew by when I was up in Racine, Wisconsin for just a second. So this morning I'm calling you from location. I'm actually calling you from San Francisco. And I'm out here to hopefully enjoy a bit of time in our public lands. And one of the things that strikes me as I start this show today is what has happened to America's infrastructure? We talk about it more than I'd like, but something is really happening that is is going to compromise some of the most beautiful places we have in America. And San Francisco, Maritime National Historic Park, which starts basically on the banks of San Francisco Bay and winds its way around Golden Gate Bridge and on to the other side along the Pacific is is historic. And yet in the midst of this is decay, things that are completely falling apart. And you and you wonder how is it that we can have areas like this that are national treasures that are literally falling right before our eyes. And there's an effort in San Francisco called Save the Pier. And it's to save a area that was built in 1932 as an area for to get out into the bay and created a tidal swimming area for swimmers and people to utilize the beach in San Francisco. And I thought that Chicago's lakefront was in a state of disrepair, which we all know it is. This is atrocious. This makes Chicago look like <laughs> our lakefront is paved with gold. The, the entire infrastructure is crumbling on one of the most visited national parks in America. And so I, I asked this morning the rhetorical question, why do we let this happen? In San Francisco, how do the people here let this happen? And how does the Department of Interior let this happen? It's not as though the government isn't printing and spending a lot of money and hasn't been for a long time. Yet our national treasures are absolutely neglected. Go to Yellowstone Park and look at the roads. Look at the old hotels. Almost everywhere you go where lots of people want to go to enjoy our natural beauty, things are falling apart. And I've talked on the air before about take a boat down the Chicago River and look at look at what look at the incredible just it's falling down. I mean, this, you almost think that part of the city is just simply going to fall into the river. But in San Francisco, walking out on this pier, which is really one of the great ways to see San Francisco Bay, um, I, I frankly, I was just stunned. And so I guess my point this morning in asking this question is, what are we going to do about it? When, when do we, those of us who love the outdoors and utilize our outdoor areas that, that are in public trust, when are, when are we going to have enough of money being squandered on so many things 
while the very essence of what makes our areas great places to live are, are, are literally just falling apart before our eyes, and they have been, and there's no sign of getting them fixed. The lakefront in Chicago, which I've utilized for many years, and many of you listening utilize, I mean, as I've said before, you, could, you can lose bicycles and baby strollers in some of the holes that are supposedly areas for people to walk and, and ride bicycles, and you've got areas roped off with, with crime scene tape, and not because of crimes, but because they're just unsafe, and you've got barricades and sawhorses, and, and this has happened all over America. And and I guess for someone who loves the great outdoors, spends a lot of time in the great outdoors, when is enough enough for all of us to say, we we want you to pay attention. We spend plenty of money on the federal government. The Department of Interior has an enormous budget. I can't stand sit here this morning on the air and tell you where every penny goes, but there's got to be a way that we come in and we fix Yellowstone and we fix Glacier and we fix Yosemite and we fix we fix our national treasures. And certainly in Chicago, there has to be a way for us to convince the mayor and the city council that our lakefront is our treasure. And to see it being just just the concrete just falling apart and, and revetments falling into the lake and it's unsafe, it's unseemly. And Chicago is one of the world's greatest cities, just as San Francisco, I would say, is or maybe used to be one of the greatest cities. It's certainly like Chicago has a lot of problems, but you can't take away the natural, incredible natural beauty that these places have. And when you stand along the waterfront in San Francisco, as I, as I did over the past couple of days, and you look back at the Golden Gate Bridge, and then you look across the bay, it, it's, it's one of our great vistas in all of North America, and then you realize you got to watch where you step and you better not lean against something or you're going to either sink out of sight in some concrete hole or you're going to fall into the bay. Another thing that strikes me, which is really not well known, is, of course, much of San Francisco Bay has been filled in. It's still absolutely enormous. But the wetlands of San Francisco Bay were, were the Chesapeake of the West. Um, they were the area where literally millions and millions of shorebirds and waterfowl came and wintered by the, by the, literally by the barrel and by the train load. Uh, canvas facts were shipped out of canvas out of San Francisco Bay in the early market hunting days. All those marshes are, are filled in. They're, they're, the whole Marina district in San Francisco is, is built on landfill, which is why, of course, when they had the earthquake here not, several years ago, the Marina district was hit so hard. And we don't realize this. You know, you're walking along this incredibly beautiful historic area, and you don't realize that 140 years ago you weren't walking here. You were you were in a boat. You were in a marsh. And the wetlands of California have been well. They're they're only about five percent of California's wetlands are left. And the Central Valley, of course, as we've talked about, is 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 so important to birds. All kinds of birds migrating up and down the Pacific flyway from from Alaska all the way to Chile and and it's virtually all gone and then you put on top of that you put on top of that the drought and I was in a meeting two days ago in all places of but I was in I was in Kenosha Wisconsin and um, the state chairman of Ducks Unlimited for Wisconsin talked about what is going to happen this fall on the Pacific flyway when the Klamath 
basin is dry, when Tool Lake is dry, when when 60% of the rice in the Central Valley of California wasn't planted and therefore not flooded. What is going to happen to these to these birds that have depended on this region for millennia? And they're coming south and, and the areas that they're supposed to, to, to winter in and, and prepare themselves to return north and breed they're, when they're, they're not there. They're dry. And so it's a, it, is a, it is a bit of a wake-up call. But the wake-up call being here in San Francisco this morning is, first of all, you're walking in areas which were pristine and absolutely fantastic and so rich as wetlands. And they're, they're gone forever. And lost with them is, is a lot of our heritage. I, can, I doubt you can count 100 canvasbacks on Chesapeake Bay today. I mean, excuse me, on San Francisco Bay today. And it was it was the equivalent of the Chesapeake. It, in some ways, it might have even been much bigger than the Chesapeake for canvasbacks and, and ducks. And then, of course, the decay. So anyway, when I come back, that's enough sort of beating up on why can't we why can't we fix our greatest natural resources and make them spectacular and make them look like we care for them instead of these these last vestiges of that that just um, nobody seems to care about. And maybe it's because they're in the public trust. And I thought about this. As I was walking, if this was private property, you know it would be taken care of. But because it's in the public trust, it doesn't seem to be anyone's responsibility. And maybe that's part of the issue. A lot of these public trust areas have been neglected because Washington's a long way away. And the public or their legislation, legislators in Washington and the Department of Interior and Department of Bureau of Land Management and the Forest Service all these areas are just so removed from reality of what's taking place in the land. I don't know, but it's a problem, and if we don't fix it, pretty soon it's going to be past fixing. When I come back, I'm going to talk about a recent trip to South Dakota. Yes, I have been on the move. It is October. And a visit with John Cooper, who's a legendary individual. I'll be back in just a moment with much more on The Great Outdoors Show, The Outdoor Voice of Chicago, on 720 WGN. This is Charlie Potter. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, you're here, host here on WGN Radio. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you're just joining me, we're headed to South Dakota, where I came back from last week. And I can tell you, I haven't been that cold in a long time. I arrived in the beautiful hamlet of Eureka, South Dakota, which is hard up against the North Dakota line, about 17 miles from the North Dakota line, due south of Bismarck. I arrived as the northwest wind blew in at 
35 miles an hour and the temperature dropped to a bone chilling 18 degrees. The purpose of going, and I won't be able to cover it all in this show, and I'll come back to it in the, in the coming weeks. The purpose of going was, was several fold. Part was to see John Cooper, who is the longtime, was the longtime commissioner of wildlife, fish, parks and wildlife in South Dakota, the vice chair of the North American Wetlands Conservation Council, and, and an individual who also was a legendary, legendary federal agent uh, from Alaska to the Dakotas and actually all the way south into Louisiana. And, and John is a, is a longtime friend of mine. I've known him for almost 30 years. And I went to see what he knows about South Dakota as we were with Field and Stream, Phil Beaujolais of Field and Stream. And we were um, talking about the IMAX film Wings Over Water and the purpose for going to Eureka, South Dakota, was because the birthplace of so many waterfowl are the prairies of North America. And the IMAX film, Wings Over Water, which chronicles what's happening to America's prairie wetlands and, and to our waterfowl and water birds, this is kind of like going to the, to the epicenter. So I arrived in Eureka with a huge blow coming out of the Northwest to spend a couple days touring the prairies with John Cooper, Carrie Luft of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation and Field and Stream Phil Pujolet. And um, it was, uh, it too was a wake-up call. John Cooper's been there for over 40 years, and he described the wetlands that, that have been lost over that period of time and described the farming practices that have changed. And we looked, as we all know, agricultural equipment now is, 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 is enormous. I mean, you have, you have planters that, that can go 30 rows at a time and more. And, and they can reach the boom. These huge four-wheel drive tractors just reach the, the boom out over these wetland margins, and they can plant and they can spray. And, and, and the loss of habitat, which will never come back, it, it is, was truly shocking. And, and so I, I came back from South Dakota, actually was blown back, all the way back down to Sioux Falls, thinking that we, we really have to figure out a way to save what's left. And that's why, and I've talked about it a lot on the air, I'm a huge believer in reaching our kids and reaching the next generation through through content and, 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 and visual images. And that's why the IMAX film Wings Over Water is, has such a great chance of, of having people become aware that we have our own Amazon here in North America. And the Amazon is the prairie wetlands. And the prairie wetlands folks are under siege. The, ease, the, the easiest to drain wetlands are the small potholes, the class one, two, and three potholes, the ones that dry up. In wet years, they get lots of water, and in dry years, they, they don't have any, and they're farmed right through. And right now, in South Dakota, northern South Dakota, it is dry. It is really dry. And so we saw all kinds of wetland margins being impacted. We also saw wetlands that actually are being filled. Uh, it's You bring in a big dump truck and you look, put a load of, of earth on it and you scrape it around and the next thing you know you've changed the hydrology of that wetland and you may have only raised a half acre or acre wetland by an inch or two but that that's everything so south dakota is much like the rest of the prairies it is seeing grasslands that have never been plowed with corn and soybean prices and drought resistant and gmo crops Soybeans are a huge crop now in South Dakota, northern South Dakota. 
there wasn't a soybean in South Dakota 20 years ago that I remember when I first went through this part of the world. And now, now I would say 30 to 40 percent of the landscape is soybeans. Corn is probably 50 percent of the landscape. And wheat and barley, which had always been the mainstay, it's just about gone because it's so much more profitable to farm wheat and co- to farm corn and soybeans. So it was it was an eye-opening experience. But being with John Cooper was a treasure. And next week, I'm going to talk about some of the experiences that he told me about when he was a federal game warden. They'll make you laugh. and They really will make you laugh. And um, they, are, they are priceless. And I'll also talk about shooting these suppressors, which I talked about a few weeks ago with, with Brandon Maddox of Suppressor Central. And, and we tried them out to see how they would work. Uh, we, all, we were a long way from urban areas long, long way, uh, the idea is that we'll be able to shoot these suppressor shotguns in areas where we can open up hunting opportunity in su- near suburbia and near cities where we can have opportunity, particularly for, for nuisance Canada geese, where there are just too many. I'll talk more about that next week. I thank you so much for being with me. Hope you've enjoyed the show. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.